Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today, we'll be talking with Dave Fuller, and the topic is a little bit of a side trip that some of the loopers currently in the northern portions of the route may be coming up on, so we wanted to bring it to your attention, and Dave has done it and is going to share that with us. Before I bring in Dave, I do want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Beneteau, Curtis Stokes & Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage all of our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. And Dave Fuller, thank you for joining me again. Oh, my pleasure. And especially thank you because you are actually cruising today and are on the Down East Loop. So just kind of before we start the real topic for today, just kind of in a nutshell, tell me how it's going on the Down East Loop because there's been a lot of interest in it. Well, we uh, we took the Lake Champlain route and uh, came up that direction and got to Quebec City, which may be our favorite stop ever now on the loop. Mm -hmm. Spent a week there. And then we went to Tadoussac, where the fjord is. Probably saw 50 to 75 whales, which was a really exciting. Wow. Mm -hmm. And now we're working our way. We just got down the St. Lawrence River and have turn south around what they call the Gaspee Peninsula in, in New Brunswick today. We're having a blast. Great. So uh, Dave and his wife, Claudia, are out there, as we said, doing the Down East Loop. We know there's a lot of interest in that, particularly for next year when the Illinois Waterway is closed. So uh, we'll look forward to learning more about this from Dave as he finishes it up and we get you some information for next year. Um, but in the meantime, um, Dave, just fill those who haven't heard you speak before, fill us in a little bit on uh, the cruising that you and Claudia have done so far, because you've got many, many miles under the keel. All right. Well, we uh, we retired in June of, or I guess May of 2015, moved on board our boat in June of 2015 and been living on board ever since. So we uh, did our first loop 2015, 2016, launching from Fort Myers, returned back to Fort Myers. Uh, and in that year, we went up to Montreal, Ottawa, you know, the Trent, did all the normal stuff, did a couple of the inland rivers up to Nashville and then all the way up to Knoxville. Uh, we had such a good time. We did it again. So 2017 to 2019. Uh, 2017, we actually went up to Maine and back down to Florida. 2018, we did the Western Erie and then cruised up the upper Mississippi to the end of navigation. Had a blast there and then now doing the down east loop now. So obviously lots of miles, as I said, and, and our thanks to Dave and Claudia um, because they've been sharing a lot of that knowledge through some presentations in our events. And they also have a great blog that even kind of shows maps of these different routes they took in different years. So can you tell everyone what the blog address is, Dave? Uh, if you go to stillwaters2, scuttlebutt.com, and uh, instead of the number two, it's the just II, right. not capitals. So that will get you to our, our website, and then from there, you can go to our blog, you can go to the travel map that you mentioned, or some videos that we have. 
great. And Dave and Claudia are also harbor hosts in their home area in Texas, Houston, Texas, which they have not been to on the boat, but still willing to help those who may be in that area um, and planning a loop and want to talk about how to get started from Texas. Um, and Dave has also written some articles for the Great Loop Link newsletter, the next of which is coming out in the upcoming August issue. And it's about this kind of very interesting short side trip. Um, and one of the things I think that there's not enough information out there on are some of the side trips members can do not just by boat. So when you're on the loop, you're so close to so many things that you may never have the opportunity to visit again. So there have been many members who advocate, you know, renting a car and exploring a little bit by land while you're in some of these areas if you have the time. So this was kind of a unique side trip. And uh, basically where it starts is as you're leaving the North Channel. And Dave, you're suggesting that people might want to consider turning right instead of turning left and heading back towards the U.S. So tell us why. Okay, so uh, as you mentioned, if you're cruising around the, the North Channel, typically people go to uh, Drummond Island to check back into customs, uh, but we decided to go up to Sault Ste. Marie, which is really our destination. And uh, the big thing that we wanted to do there is a uh, Agua Canyon uh, train tour. That was really what we wanted to do. You mentioned a unique trip, and that was it. The other thing then we wanted to do was stick our nose into uh, Lake Superior. So we went out to Whitefish Point. And if there's any fishing buffs around, uh, Ernest Hemingway says that the rapids there at the Sault Ste. Marie are world-class fishing for rainbow trout. And it's known for a lot of other things. So those are kind of the three draws for us. Okay. And um, when did you and Claudia do this this trip? On which of your loops? We we did this our first time around, so that had been in 2016. I went back and looked, and we actually arrived in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, the last week of August, okay. and then spent about a week doing it. Right. So uh, the, the first point that you were headed, as you said, was Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. So tell us about, you know, just kind of an overview of cruising to there from the North Channel. All right. Uh, if if you're on the North Channel, uh, people will go along the North Shore. Kind of the last place that people stop that seems to be popular is a, a marina, a little town called Blind River. And typically, as I mentioned, people will go down to Drummond Island from there. Instead of going to Drummond Island, which is south of you, if you were to continue west, there's another island called St. Joseph's Island. And on the shore of St. Joseph's Island is a little marina called Hilton Beach. That'd be about a 47-mile day to get over there from Blind River to Hilton Beach. And then the next day, you're going to go up to Sault Ste. Marie, uh, Ontario. There's a marina there called Roberta Bonder Marina. And that Roberta Bonder, I think that was named after a, a astronaut, a Canadian astronaut. I think she was the first uh, Canadian up in space, first woman. So that's marina is named after her. It's a 33-mile run up there. And to get there, you can just run up the side of the, the St. Joseph's Island to the north side. And there's a little St. Joseph's Channel. From the St. Joseph's Channel, you'll take a middle Nebus Channel, and that would get you into the St. Mary's River. And then you can just go north up St. Mary's, and you'll arrive at Sault Ste. Marie. Again, it's about a 33-mile. So within two days of the normal loop path, you can be there. Mm -hmm. And Hilton Beach Marina is one of our sponsors, a newer sponsor, so a, a shout out to them, and we thank them for that. 
Um, so from there, and, and as you had mentioned, your kind of ultimate destination, so to speak, on this little side trip was the Agawa Canyon train tour. So tell us what that is and, and why it was a highlight for you and something you really wanted to check out. All right. Well, the Agua Canyon train tour obviously is a train ride. It's actually 114 miles, and it goes up into the interior of Canada. And as you mentioned, you know, it's getting off the, you know, usually as the sloopers, we're usually, you know, limited within a couple of miles of shore. Into the interior, what uh, Ontario is really all about. And it turns out it's just rugged, beautiful. And uh, it was so beautiful that it, you know, we'll talk about this again in a little bit more, but there's some groups of seven as people come through the Trent Severn, the Georgian Bay, you probably start seeing stuff about the group of seven artists. Five of those seven actually uh, came here and, and did paintings uh, for, for some while. So you'll get to see that. The other thing that the train ride is, it's kind of a rolling museum, and there'll be over that 114 miles, it's GPS triggered to so be sitting in your seat, and they'll have TV monitors around, and it'll just come on, and it explains the history of where you're traveling through, or what the lake you're fixing to go by is, and which side to look out the train, and so it's kind of a, a rolling museum of, of the whole way that you're going to go. The other thing they'll do... Um, is a dining car so that you'll leave at 8 a.m uh and it's only about a two block walk from the marina to the train depot so you'll leave at eight if you haven't taken breakfast you can call you by dining uh cars by your car seat go back there and go eat breakfast you can take lunch on board if you want on the on the train so it's just overall just a really neat experience Mm-hmm. You mentioned a little bit, Dave, about the uh, some of the artists who have painted that area. Uh, anything additional you want to share about that? Now, these guys, there were seven of them. They're called the Group of Seven. Uh, they did paintings in Canada in the 1920s, uh, I guess the late eight, 1918 to 1920s. Uh, so they're pretty famous in you know our internet age today. I guess these paintings were their way of of sharing the interior of Canada with the rest of the Canadians. But on this track, you're actually going to see five of the places. And what they did is they took a boxcar, converted it into a cabin, and they would actually live in the cabin and do their sketches and their paintings. And so at mile 76, there's Mongoose Lake. So there's some pretty famous paintings of, of that lake. Mile 92 is a Montreal River and a waterfall. So there's paintings of that that have been done and you know, you'll be able to see that from the train. That's also one of the neater spots. There's a trellis that you'll go over that's 130 feet high and it's like 1500 feet long, I think it was. And so you can get a picture of the train going over this high trellis. If you're in the back of the car, you'll be able to see the front of the train. And if you're in the front, you'll be able to see the caboose in the back. So it's a pretty iconic shot. Uh, mile 95 is Hubert Lake, so there's some really nice paintings of that you you could find. And then obviously uh, they hung out in the actual canyon itself, did quite a bit of paintings in that area. Mm-hmm. So the um, the train tour takes you to, and I guess it sounds like through the canyon, but there's also some time off the train to explore. So tell us about that. Right. So uh, you'll get you'll arrive around lunchtime. I mentioned you leave at eight. You'll arrive around lunch. And they give you 90 minutes off the train. 
And then while you're there, kind of four different things you can do is they have a couple of hiking trails that you can take. There's a climb that you can go back up the canyon because the, the canyon does come down. Uh, it's about 500-foot drop into, down to the river level that it makes. And so you can walk back up 250 feet to the lookout. Or if that's not your thing, it is a park, and so there's picnic tables. There's a cantina. You can just sit there and enjoy lunch. And then, or you can walk down to the river and find a bench. And uh, while you're sitting on the bench, just watch the river go by. Kind of a pro tip, since it's only 90 minutes, those walks, there's three waterfalls. If you take the river trail first, you'll walk down. It's the easiest trail. You can walk down to the Bridalvale Falls. And it's about a 40-minute round trip if you walk down there and get back. So there's plenty of time to do it. But take that trail down to the falls. And then on the way back, take the second trail, the Talus Trail, and it'll go by the other two waterfalls. It's a little more difficult because it does go through the woods. It's a little bit of up and down. But again, it, it takes you about 40 minutes round trip total to see all three falls. But on that Talus Trail, it'll actually, right before you get back to the train depot, it'll take you past the lookout. You can actually climb up the lookout and, and get the whole enchilada. So you, in the 90 minutes, there's plenty of time to eat lunch at the picnic tables, go walk around, enjoy the view. And it, it sounds like the scenery there is really unlike anything else you'll see on the loop. That is correct. Yeah, it's, you know, it is mountain vistas. Uh, it inspired these artists, and it'll take your breath away. Yeah. Not well, just from you. hiking. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that with us. We're going to move back to the water and talk a little bit about, as you mentioned, putting your nose into Lake Superior. Before we do that, I'm going to take a quick break and play a message from one of our sponsors. We'll be back in a moment. The new MJM-50Z is the most technologically advanced production motor yacht available. First worldwide to incorporate a Seakeeper gyro stabilizer as standard equipment to virtually eliminate roll in waves underway or at anchor. And in June 2015, the first to include fully opening power windshields for control of fresh airflow. MJMs are unique in the industry, built of environmentally clean, stronger and lighter epoxy compounds composites in the USA. Owner benefits are significant. A smaller carbon footprint with 50 to 100 percent better fuel efficiency. A top speed with optional triple IPS 600s of 40 knots and crews of 35 knots. A more responsive, enjoyable driving experience and greater safety offshore. For more information, visit them on the web at www.mjmyachts.com. We're back on Great Loop Radio. We're talking today with Dave Fuller, who is a uh, very experienced cruiser and looper. And he's sharing with us a, a side trip as you're leaving the North Channel. Uh, Dave, we just talked about taking the Agawa Canyon train tour. Moving back to the water, you also went to Lake Superior, which uh, for some loopers, kind of sticking their nose into Lake Superior puts them into all five Great Lakes as part of their trip, which is kind of a, a benchmark. Um, but you know, tell us why you went there and, and why you recommend other loopers might want to take that side trip. All right. Well, first, for starters, uh, what you just said about bragging rights of being in all five Great Lakes. So we, uh, on our second loop, we did the Western Erie to, you know, cruise Lake Erie. So 
I wanted to be able to say we had done all five Great Lakes, even though it might only been for a day or two. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> so that, but the the big thing though is that on at when you cross uh, Whitefish Bay on your first day on Lake Superior, you'll come to Whitefish Point, and uh, the thing that we really wanted to see there is the Great Lakes Shipwreck Museum is there. They, they call that area the graveyard of the Great Lakes. So there's been so many ships sunk in that area. And so that's where they put the this museum. But the museum actually covers all the shipwrecks of all five Great Lakes. But that was really the our destination. So as you were headed for Whitefish Point, you ha- do have to go through some locks to get to Lake Superior. And uh, tell us about the process, because you are also checking back into the U.S. at that point, correct? That's correct. So you'll be over at this marina on the north shore of the St. Mary's uh, River. And so there's actually two sets of locks there on the north shore of the Canadian lock. And the cruising guides will tell you that's the place for the recreational vessels to go. On the south shore, there are several American locks. And the, the lock, MacArthur lock, is the one that's closest to the shore. And that's usually if you go through the uh, recreation vessels go through, that's where they'll put you through. Uh, there's also a visitor center by that MacArthur lock. And then they have what I'll call Kentucky Derby type stands outside of the visitor center, very steep that overlook the lock. So the day that we did this, the Canadian lock was closed for maintenance. So we did go through this MacArthur American lock, uh, contacted the, the lock there weren't any big ships coming and so they said come on so that's what we did and we were surprised when we floated up and the stands were full of people and snapping <laughs> pictures so we <laughs> were the show <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as far as getting back into customs though what we did there is a customs office across on Sault Ste. Marie Michigan so we called them they asked us to come on across the river they wanted to do a face-to-face back in 2016 so we, we just went across to the marina there, just straight across the river, tied up on the fuel dock. Uh, they showed up. They're only two blocks away. They came on, asked a bunch of questions, and left. And then we took on fuel and then went on through, the, uh, the again, this MacArthur lock and then on to uh, across the bay. So, Dave, do you know, since you went through the MacArthur Lock, I know um, from what you've told us that the recreational traffic typically uses the Canadian Lock. If that's the case, are you still checking into customs before going through the Canadian Lock? Are you checking back into the U.S.? Or how would that work? Out uh, where if you come into customs, go ahead and check in on the American side. And if you want to go through the Canadian lock, it's no problem to go through the lock and then right back into the U.S. without okay. checking in or out. Okay. So you put your nose into Lake Superior, and did you head immediately for Whitefish Point from there? Yes, we did. So when you come out of the lock, you'll still be in the St. Mary's River for about 10 miles. And it's very well marked, uh, very well buoyed, and it's easy navigation. At the end of that 10 miles, it'll open up into the Whitefish Bay, and you'll see a very large light there. It's called the Gross Cap Reef Light. Uh, You'll be able to see it for miles before you get to it, and that's kind of the end of the river and the beginning of uh, Lake Superior. And then it's 24 miles then across over to the uh, shore across the bay. And when you arrive there, you'll be able to see the lighthouse off to your right, 
and there's a little public boat ramp there. They call it a safe harbor, not really a marina, but there's there's several boats. Coast Guard has a couple of boats in there that are permanent uh, research vessels in there, and they have a half dozen or so slips for transient boaters. And then there's also a long wall, and, and people can tie up you know, along that wall, but there's no services, no water, no power. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can get in there and, and stay for as long as you want. And again, it's free. One thing, I was looking last night. Uh, I remembered it was kind of shallow coming in. So an active captain, there's a couple of remarks on how to get in there. It looks like it's shoaled up to five feet right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, it tells you to honor the starboard side of the entrance. There's a whole lot more detail in there. A couple of people have done some really good posts. So if you go in there, uh, definitely check that out before you, you go into the little marina. Okay, good advice. Um, so Whitefish Point was your kind of your destination for Lake Superior, and you mentioned the um, Shipwreck Museum and the fishing. Anything else you want to share about that particular stop? How long did you spend at Whitefish Point? We stayed a couple of days there. Uh, the museum, as I mentioned, uh, just a couple of things. Probably the most famous wreck there on the on the lakes is the Edmund Fitzgerald. So there's a film, I think it was 20 minutes long, about the actual sinking. They've actually raised the ship's bell. So one of the one of the big exhibits is the the ship's bell when you first walk in. I mentioned it's all the shipwrecks. So they have models all the way back to the 1600s of boats that have sunk there, talking about who, you know, what the mission of the the vessel is and when it sank and and why. So it's pretty interesting. So the the museum itself has got a lot of different stuff. But uh, obviously, since I mentioned that Whitefish Point is uh, the graveyard of the Great Lakes, the Coast Guard had a rescue station there. And so there's a museum about the gear and equipment and the people that, you know, manned those stations, which is we found interesting. The lighthouse is still operational. They've restored it. The keeper house has been restored, so you can go visit the lighthouse, keeper house. And then, strangely enough, there's actually a bird sanctuary there also. So there's a bird sanctuary museum, and then there's some walking trails and benches and all you can sit down. And if you're into birding, you see lots of different birds there. Mm-hmm. So how long was your stop at Whitefish Point? We we stayed two nights, mm-hmm. and then the weather was turning a little snotty. So rather than go on, we went back. Right. So, um, you know, altogether, ha- how much time did you spend on Lake Superior? So we we actually, I guess, uh, came across the bay one day, spent the day the next day looking at the, I guess, two days looking around. And then so we would have been on the, the lake three days and then came back. Mm-hmm. So for the, anybody uh, who's contemplating this and wants to have that bragging right of doing all five Great Lakes. It doesn't have to be a long trip into Lake Superior. You can do it in a few days. That's correct. The interesting stuff while we were doing it, the, the day we arrived, uh, a, a boat named Avocet, their crew, Dick and Phyllis, we had last seen them in Ottawa. They happened to be there, kind mm-hmm. of surprised us. Yeah. So they caught our line, and uh, we weren't really expecting anybody. Uh, but they were a little braver than us. They actually went all the way to Picture Rocks, which is another kind of destination. Uh, we had talked about it, but again, the weather wasn't cooperating for the waves out in the lake, so we didn't do it. But mm-hmm. if you wanted to go to Picture Rocks, it's another couple of days travel. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and from Whitefish Bay, it's only about 22 miles. There's a really good anchorage called Little Lake Anchorage. It's called Little Lake because it actually is off of the, the big lake. It's protected 360 degrees, so you know, you're not going to get hammered by the winds if they pick up or the waves. Very settled place. Another 30 miles from there, there's a you'll actually enter the Picture Rocks National Lake Shore. You'll be, but the anchorage is called West Bay Anchorage, and again, it's well protected off the lake. Another 36 miles would take you to the kind of the gym of the Picture Rocks. If you if you were to look on the internet, you'd find this uh, the Grand Island. And there's places to anchor north of, south of, east of the Grand Islands. So Dick and Phyllis on Avocet, they had actually, they did that. I think they said they spent three days getting over there, spent a couple of nights at Grand Island, and two or three nights getting back. Mm-hmm. So uh, so that's another opportunity to, if somebody wants to go a little bit further. And it's just right along the, the south shore and easy cruising and good places to stop if the weather's good for you. Yeah, we actually, um, we've had a few gold loopers who have uh, done that area in the last few years. Um, Scott and Karen Duvall, um, Last Call, who are now uh, Capable Cruising is their new business, but they, and they are sponsors, but they also did that trip. Um, and I've seen their pictures and just absolutely stunning cruising. I looked into it a little bit further as a possible uh, rendezvous seminar. And as you probably know, Dave, as one of our speakers, what we've been doing is opening registration for the rendezvous. Um, and we actually just did that this week for the fall rendezvous. And then about a week after that, we poll the people who have registered to see what topics are of most interest to them. So I had been doing research on Lake Superior as one of those possibilities um, and, and spoke to a, a gold looper who's also done the North Shore of Lake Superior, which is pretty unusual, pretty rugged up there and remote. Um, and they suggested not speaking about it because while they enjoyed it for most loopers, they didn't feel like it would be an, an enjoyable trip. Um, but there is some beautiful cruising in Lake Superior if, if you're feeling like spending that time. And, and again, as Dave said, probably most common to do the South Shore. Um, Dave, any other thoughts on, on this, this trip that we've discussed? It sounds like some great opportunities to do something a little unusual. Yeah, uh, just as a, uh, interesting enough, you know, you mentioned some other loopers. There's uh, We met some Canadian folks back in 2016. They're on a boat named On Business, and since my Texas accent, that's O-W-N, is On. <laughs> I think it's really On. <laughs> but uh, the, uh, the, the name, the crew is Twyla and Andy. They just went through St. You know, Sault Ste. Marie, and they went to the North Shore, but they were over on the northeast side to a town called Marathon and really, you know, following their blog. They just did it the last couple of weeks. And so if somebody wanted to look into that, they could go to their, you know, go into the directory, find their ship name there, and then get a link over to their blog and read it. So that, that was very interesting. Twilight did a really good job of talking about where they stopped and what they saw. And, again, it was, it was drop-dead gorgeous. Yeah, and thanks for sharing that. I didn't know that Twyla and Andy were doing that. And, of course, you can find them in the directory if you remember. Um, and if there's enough interest, we can certainly do another one of these podcasts on um, 
a little bit deeper into Lake Superior. So that's a possibility too. So if there are, are folks out there who are interested in that, feel free to drop me an email. My email address is krusso, that's K-R-U-S-S-O at greatloop.org. And uh, I mentioned briefly the fall rendezvous. Um, by the time this podcast airs, it will probably be sold out, but don't hesitate to be on the waiting list, we typically get to run pretty far through that waiting list because uh, we always get some cancellations, people you know, trying to get there by boat who have mechanical or weather issues uh, or other things. So uh, the information on the fall rendezvous is on the website at greatloop.org. Just go to the events menu and click on 2019 fall rendezvous and all the details are there. And uh, Dave and Claudia will be joining us and Dave is going to be presenting one of the route sessions for a part of Florida. So we thank you for dedicating some time to that, Dave, and for continuing to share your knowledge. You betcha. Yeah, enjoy the rest of the Down East Loop, and we'll let you go so you can get on with today's cruising. Um, but thank you for joining me. Greatly appreciate it. All right. How about one last, one last comment? Yeah. Just getting back from uh, Sault Ste. Marie down to uh, – i back to Mackinac Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's pretty easy, but it's just straight down the St. Mary's River. A uh, good place to stop on the way is Detour Village. Uh, it's about a 40-mile run to there, but then to Mackinac Island, then it's 38 miles, and people would be back on the normal looper thing. But what I, the little pro tip I wanted to give on Mackinac Island, mm-hmm. that's Claudia's favorite place on the loop, I think. She calls it Magical Mackinac Island. <laughs> uh, but it's usually booked well in advance. There's not a whole lot of slips there, and so it's hard to get into. But in both of our loops, we've managed to get a slip there. So for the folks as they're coming across the North Channel and headed that way, they don't actually reserve every slip. There's 10, I think it's 10%, don't quote me on that, but it's something like 10%. So say a handful of slips, maybe five a day that they do not take reservations for. And we've managed to score one of those slips both times. There's an anchorage in the, right outside the marina and so you can anchor there, and the next day when you see people leaving, call the marina, and they'll let you in. That's a great Without pro tip. a reservation. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> pro tip. Thank you for sharing that, because I know we have had some loopers who have missed uh, Mackinac, uh, partly because the slip availability. So that's excellent information. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. And to you our, bet. Yep. Thanks. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us as well. We'll be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising. 